new live viewers, the new audio listeners, and everybody that's tuning in to our page and all of our social media content. We are the Saniac Podcast, a one-stop shop for all things MTV's The Challenge. We host live weekly recaps like this one. We're currently recapping War of the Worlds 2, of course, and we also do cast interviews when they can fit anyone's schedule. Uh, And we have an awesome website with tons of challenge content. We've got some fun quizzes, written recaps uh, from our girl Hannah on Hannah's Hit List and challenge news. We were a little light on challenge news this week because it was Rosh Hashanah. So Shana Tova to all of the Jews of the Saniac tribe. And that means Happy New Year for anybody who doesn't understand. Uh, You can check us out at SaniacPodcast.com. And of course, all of our social media is at SaniacPodcast. Facebook is our most active platform, but Zach has been killing it on our Twitter lately, so definitely check that out. And of course, Instagram and Reddit as well. I'm Shawnee Suisa, a podcast producer from Los Angeles. And unfortunately, I'm going to be solo tonight because Zach is unavailable. He has to take care of something right now. So he might be joining us in midway, but we're not sure uh, as of right now. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes and we'll play it by ear. And I'll be interacting with the commenters a little bit more tonight since I don't have Zach to feed off of. So throw me some good questions, throw me some good points. I'll definitely be checking them out. Um, Sparkle quiz to name all the trivia mission winners. That would be a great one. I like that. Definitely we'll put that out there. I want to do a Sparkle quiz. I'll I'll probably throw this out there in the next week or so of um, all the people that Bananas has lost to. I just think that'd be hilarious. That list is getting so long. It's it's actually longer than some of the uh, quizzes that we put out there of how many people people have uh, beaten in eliminations. So that'll be funny. Um, I do want to run down the Bananas podcast that was on Challenge Mania. I don't know if you guys saw, but Kyle and Bananas got onto Challenge Mania. Kyle, I think, was by accident. It wasn't scheduled. He just sort of popped up into Johnny's uh, hotel room in London. And so he chimed in as well. And the podcast was fantastic. I know there's some mixed reviews going on there, but there is a lot of information that I know Zach wants to definitely break down as well. So when he's back on, if it's not this week or the next week, we'll definitely go over that podcast for sure. He was tweeting out a bunch of shit. So I know people are curious as to what he has to say on it. And we can, of course, then compare and contrast it with the uh, Ninja podcast that they did the week before. So some pretty good takes on both ends there, and we can definitely talk about them all. Uh, Let's see. Just make sure the timer is long enough for Johnny's... uh, Johnny's uh, losing eliminations quiz. Yeah, we'll have to make sure that timer is long enough. It's quite a long list at this point. Pretty sure he and Kyle planned it. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like they coordinated it because it was one of those. He did one of those like children jokes where you knock on someone's door and you're like room service. <laughs> I got room service. You know when you're staying with your family in a hotel. So it did seem a little bit planned. Anyway, so we'll run down the episode and we'll save the bananas podcast for another day. But something that I want to talk about. I, Scott actually mentioned this on the podcast, which was just the amount of quality in production and editing and the content that they're putting out there this season. They've really upped their game. I don't know if you guys have seen the Challenges YouTube channel, but it's really, really cool. And they do a ton of stuff on there. They've they've been posting like a bunch of reaction type videos and things like that, which is super fun to watch. And they've been filming like a bunch of little content bits for us to take in after the episodes um, and also having a lot of the current cast look at some of the old challenges that have happened which is really really cool but to feed off of what Scott was saying 
in just the fact that the graphics this season, as someone who does like a lot of video editing and stuff, that's definitely what I noticed first. The graphics have been fantastic. I think it was a slow progression started last season with Turbo's like win graphics and all of those things that he put out. Um, every time he basically did anything badass, there was just some sort of cool ass pose and graphic that accompanied that. And now we're seeing that same stuff. I really loved the previously on uh, segment that was on this episode. It was just really cool. The transitions were awesome and they're definitely upping their game and it seems fantastic. And they also had one of my favorite trans melodies on today. It's like this warrior song that's, that they played and I listened to that one as well. Okay, so let's get into the actual challenge though, the actual episode. This was a pretty good episode. It started off, obviously, we have the post-elimination celebration. It seems like we're on that sort of a schedule. Hey Irving! Irving has been waiting for us, refreshing the page for a while. <laughs> So we, we seem to have the same schedule every, every episode, right? So we finish the elimination from the past episode. We come into the house. It's always this post-elimination celebration. And uh, and then we go into, uh, you know, all the, the sort of aftermath of everything that's happened. And it reminds me, the format that we're seeing now, the consistency in formatting, reminds me so much of early challenges when it was the challenge, the elimination, and you got everything in one go. So we kind of have that now. It's just on a different schedule. Um, and it's it's nice that it's consistent like that. So anyways, we come back inside, we got the celebration, and we get to see Tori's interview talking about Kara. And I don't know about you guys, but me and Zach last season, when we were talking about cast spoilers, we specifically mentioned how we thought Tori was going to be working with Kara. So it seems weird that, I, mean, I don't know, it's just weird. I assumed, I don't know why I assumed Tori and Kara were good friends. Did anybody else get that impression? Uh, maybe it was from the Chance vs. Stars that they did together. Was she on that? And I don't know. I just felt like they were going to work together. I know Zach was apprehensive about it. He didn't want them to work together. And now it seems like we're seeing a rivalry form between Tori and Kara. And I am loving it. Let me just tell you, I think it's a great rivalry to continue off. I know Jordan never really liked Kara, but this was surprising to me to see this kind of beef coming out, swinging right out the gates between Tori and Kara. So we'll see how that progresses this season. Hopefully Tori beats out Kara in some way. We also get the Josh versus Polly fight. Polly looked like a sausage overstuffed in the wrapping when he got super mad. You know when you like watch Top Chef and they're making sausages and they overstuff them and you see like the red meat popping out of the casings? That's what he looked like to me when the security was holding him back. He looked like the red meat popping out of the casing. Like it was just fucking hilarious. I thought that that moment was priceless. Honestly, I was cracking up throughout the whole fight. The best part, I think, about the fight was when Theo commented, he goes, how could you not love Josh? He's my favorite person ever. And so it seems like Theo and Bear are just loving up Josh this season, which is a cool dynamic. No, Tori likes challenges. Carl looks miserable. I think Tori is just nice to everyone. Tori is just nice to everyone, but I do agree. Kara does seem very miserable this season. She seems, or I don't know, maybe we're just not getting enough clips of her being happy and stuff, but... Something that they did bring up on the podcast today that was so poignant and a great perspective on the house is the fact that so many people are so sensitive in that house to another level, you know? And so for someone like me, when I was hearing Bananas and, and Kyle talk about how they like to just rip on their friends, they like to have jokes, make fun of each other, I completely understood that. Everyone who knows me knows that I love to be able to just let loose and not feel like I'm going to offend everyone. I do like being nice to people, but it is really enjoyable to be around individuals where you can just kind of, you know, take the piss and you don't have to care about that stuff. That's how me and Zach became friends. We wrote full on rap songs dissing each other. You know, that that's the kind of friendships that I like to build. And so 
for me watching this now after hearing the podcast, I'm seeing so much of that. People are so sensitive and I feel like Kara is just one of those people and you have then, you know, that juxtaposed with like Tori and Jordan who don't seem like they're that sensitive. I know Jordan has kind of a hot hot-headed temper at sometimes, but he's not really sensitive. Like I feel like you could call him out on stuff and he would just be like, yeah, cool. You know what I mean? And you know, you're just seeing that so much more. I think once you hear these things and then you watch the show and you watch it all play out, it clicks so much more for you. Josh and Pauline are so extra. Yeah, Irving, I completely agree with that. They they were honestly so over the top in that moment. I'm not sure if it was like an attempt at screen time. It felt like it was partially they wanted to entertain us, but also they really felt that way. So I'm not sure. I've never, like I could get angry, right? I don't know about you guys, but I've never felt the urge to just like go at someone physically in that kind of a way where I have to be held back by like four different people and then I look like a sausage casing or I look like a sausage popping out of the casing. Like I've never had that kind of a moment. So I don't understand what that anger really feels like and how genuine it can be. But I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it so much on this show and it reminded me so much. I don't know if it was the pool table or what, but a lot of OGCT and how angry he would get and just all of those scenes where there's been so many fights around pool tables in this, in, in the challenge. There, actually, that's a really good list to run down. When I get Zach back on the podcast, we need to talk about all the fights that have gone down around pool tables because there have been so fucking many. Ugh, I feel some of the raps need to be shared with the people outside the virtual world. They're gold. Yeah, Irving, honestly, we need to let out the baboon song. I mean, Zach's original rap was so weak, and he thought he was writing a rap to someone who didn't know how to rap. And then little did he know, I came at him with something crazy. But I will say, Zach is much better at rapping to music. I can only make up my own melody in my head. I can't, like, follow a beat. I don't like doing that. I like to make up my own thing with my own words, and then I just sing it raw. Uh, Polly is the king of holy back, bro. That comment deserves a fucking pin. That is priceless. Okay, so anyways, we move out from this whole scene and we get into the Team USA meeting and this is where we see Leroy step into this awesome leadership role and it seems like he understands the dynamic that is going on on the team where he has to completely change his gameplay from being somebody who was with Bananas to somebody who is now going to be for the team going to be neutral, wants to work with everyone. He's really using this to his advantage that Banana left the house and and turning around what would have been a bunch of opposition towards him and making it, I mean, it seems like he's actually now turning the house towards him. So he has pulled a fantastic 360 this episode. Really proud of what Leroy is doing. And I also think what's funny is that it comes from such a genuine place. He knows that it's obviously going to help his game, but he is the type of person who is that kind of rational, level-headed human being who can bring peace to this crazy mayhem that is going on uh, and who can try to at least make some sense of what's happening on his team to give himself a better position on this totem pole because he's right now at the fucking bottom or at least after banana was he was at the bottom so you know normally i think leroy when he plays this kind of pc game where he um you know is playing both sides and bananas leaves and he's sort of put in this shitty situation where he's now left alone he doesn't always play it the best, and I think now we're seeing him try a new strategy, and it's fucking working. Uh, you know, he is using his skills and his own 
uh, abilities as this kind of person that people can see as unbiased and as a leader to his advantage and he's not playing the game that he used to and he's also not doing that thing that he did in vendettas that i know a lot of people got on his case about which is you know the sort of feeling entitled to just make it to the end without doing anything he realizes now that he's got to do some shit in order to make it to the end and so it's really nice to see that all play out and i do think it's going to work in his favor a lot of people have been talking about nani and on Twitter, I know that there's been so many hot takes on Nani from this episode and how she sort of screwed up her game. And I hear that. I think she should have gone the Leroy route. She should have teamed up with Lee and seen how they could work together to both become better assets to the team and to, to put themselves in a better position as a duo. And I, I, I think that she lost her chance here. She made just a, a way too big of a divide for herself. It's sort of like a classic Big Brother situation where you know a person calls out the alliances in the house and i understand the inclination to want to be straight up in these kind of games to just be like okay well you know obviously our sides are not working for each other so like what the fuck is going on but there have been so many times where you see in big brother where somebody calls out the alliance and they just fuck up their whole game you know what i mean like they fuck up their entire situation because they want it to be straight up and so you can't always be that way so you have to hold your cards closer to your closer to your chest is it closer to your vest or closer to your chest? Somebody drop that down and find that for I feel like Greg would know the answer to that. Um, and, and I think she just put out her cards way too fast. So that wasn't necessarily the best move for her. And, you know, even if Leroy had gone on her side, it just would have made them both big targets. And I think Leroy made the best decision for his game for sure. So anyways, we get in this team meeting. The, the conclusion of the team meeting is just the fact that Nani's going to be t speaker for the tribunal. And um, they essentially decide the entire tribunal. They want Nani, Ninja, and Lee. I'm assuming Ninja because the last elimination. Uh, and Ni Lee because he was, you know, speaking out and things like that. And I love this line from Cam, although not much that I love from Cam tonight. But I did love this line, which was, uh, good job, leader. Which was just, I mean, that's just cute, you know? Leroy, leader. I liked it. I thought it was witty. I enjoyed it. Uh, I get just Shawnee tonight, y'all. We winning. Yes, this is a solo one this evening. I know some people will be very excited not to have Calhoun. The background is so much nicer when he's not around. Like, look how much prettier this situation is as the full screen. Uh, he needs to fucking get some sort of artsy craftsy skills just a little bit and, and set these things up. Oh, a perfect time for me to plug our merch line. We did have a few sales this week. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. This, I'm wearing the other shirt, the other main logo shirt. I actually have literally Zach Calhoun's silhouette and some of his features on me, which is crazy to think that I would actually wear him, but it is a very comfortable shirt, so highly recommended. Check those out. The uh, discount code is still up there, but it's going to be going down. But of course, anybody who listens and watches the podcast can use that discount code. It's Zach Loves Cara. And sign up for our hit list. There's also a discount code in there as well. Okay, so back to the episode. This is where we get D and Rogan. They just drop one little hint about what's going to happen with D and Rogan. And they have D in the interview room. She's like, you know, do you love Rogan? And she essentially just stops and then takes a few deep breaths and says yes. So we're seeing potentially a very deep showman's in the making. And at this point in the episode, I wasn't really sure how Rogan felt. I I don't know if I take him for someone who's so serious with Dee in this moment. I think there's a lot of obstacles in their way. Dee lives in Australia. Rogan lives in London. That's like a fucking 24-hour flight journey. I mean, it's no joke. So I don't know what kind of longevity that relationship has. But yeah, I mean, that did happen. And 
listen, Fabi, I see Fabi right now. She's saying, D saying she's in love with him. And then she has the hand over face emoji. And I understand the hesitation. I get it. I too was at first like, what the fuck? How can she be in love with him? But after watching so many reality TV shows and seeing so many showmances flourish in these settings in such short amounts of time, you have to kind of, I guess, put yourself in their shoes where it's like you're with someone for 24-7 for a certain set amount of time. And it's very easy to to develop feelings with some, for someone, you know, when you're with them that much. Because typically if you go on a date with someone or a few dates with someone, I mean, what, it's like a, two, a couple hours, two hours, three hours, four hours, a dinner. I don't know how long you guys are hanging out, but it's still only a set amount of hours, right? So if you're dating someone over the span of three weeks, you go on however many dates, I mean, in in like the big brother house and the challenge house, it's just so much more. It's as if you've been dating for months, you know, after that sort of point. And so there is something to be said for that. And I do kind of understand where these people are coming from. I also relate it back to when I was traveling, when I did South and Central America and we would be in like hostels and stuff for however long. And there was times when I really developed feelings for people. And I'm not really the type to do that, nor, I mean, I have, uh, I have developed feelings for people fast but usually I know that they're a little bit fake if they're like just a little too fast. You know what I mean? I'm just like, it's sort of caught up in the honeymoon phase and I'm just like, this isn't real. But there have been times, especially when I was traveling where I had real fucking feelings and I met some amazing guys and then, you know, you're leaving them. I mean, we would be the most, we'd be in a place with maybe a month and a half or something like that. And there were some people who traveled with us through areas and stuff like that. So we'd be with them for maybe a few months and we were with them in the hostels. You know, you're 24 seven, you're in the same rooms at times. Um, so it's just so easy. I think it's a lot easier than people realize. So while it is a little bit cringe, I do see where Dee's coming from. And I love that Nani related to her a bit. I thought Nani could have used that moment and that conversation to possibly better her position in the game with the Brits and with that side and that alliance, the majority side on the British side. And I don't think she pulled that card enough. Like she could have become close to Dee, who is essentially running the girls on the Brits side right now uh, and given herself a great ally. You know, Nani isn't someone who's always beefing with Wes. She has a pretty decent relationship from what I understand with him. She could have pulled that card as well with D. So she could have used that. She could have used that to her advantage a lot more. I was hoping that she was going to. I thought that that was foreshadowing for maybe a D and Nani alliance, but it definitely wasn't. And then we got into the spin the bottle scene in the house, which obviously, like, I knew that you know, this was going to be Bear in Georgia, some fucking shit was going to go down, but I did not realize this was going to mean that Georgia was about to go mack it with fucking Josh. That was crazy. It was a little bit cringe to watch this happen. I, I do think that Bear is someone who flip-flops every other day, and I also think that he, like, thinks it's entertaining and enjoyable for people, and he likes to get a rise, so that's where his angle is coming from. The best line for sure, about the situation was Nicole's. We got to see a lot of her personality tonight, presumably because she left, so production wanted to show us a bit of her. Uh, but this was a fantastic line. She goes, he's like the weather. He just changes every day uh, in reference to Baron. I was just fucking dying at that. He really does change every day. And on top of that, I have a ton of inside jokes with all my British friends because they are obsessed with talking about the fucking weather. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, you meet someone from Sweden or from Iceland or from anywhere in Scandinavia where it's legitimately freezing. They have winters for like nine months and they have 
darkness for however long and lightness for however long. And they never talk about the weather. And British people talk about it as if they're constantly in like an Armageddon where the sky is just falling on them. So they're so overdramatic about their weather. And so this was just like two jokes in one, which I loved so much. Can you explain what happened? I haven't watched the episode. Yes. Okay. So I'll run this down a little bit more thoroughly. So basically they go into spin the bottle scene. And they're doing like a few spins, whatever, and Bear lands on Kaylee. I don't know if he like made the bottle land on Kaylee or if it just happened accidentally, but he goes and like motorboats her boobs and then also gives her a kiss and things like that. And Georgia is sitting right there on the couch on the floor getting her hair braided. And she's literally on the floor of the couch and Kaylee's like right here on the couch. So it was like right next to it. Then Georgia is like holding back tears. She's closing her eyes. She's trying to pretend like it's not there. And you see her walk towards one of the bedrooms and talk to Jenny and Nicole uh, and a few of the other girls. And they're sort of hyping her up. Like, don't let this get to you. He's crazy. You need to just leave him alone. Then you see Georgia shoot up and she's like, I'm just going to go make out with Josh. And she just like sprints for Josh, honestly, so fucking fast. She booked it, gets to Josh's face and just starts making out. And I don't mean like one of those making out sessions where it's elegant. (laughs) Maybe it's not the word. It was very moist. It was just one of those like, like how you imagine Josh talks, you know, with the nasally tone that everybody always makes fun of him for, which I actually find is quite endearing. That's how I would imagine his kisses would come out as well. So it was just, I don't even mean to be so shady tonight, but that is coming out right now. And uh, and it was really hilarious. And CT makes the best commentary. I forget exactly what he said, but it was fucking hilarious. He was just like, that is the ugliest kiss ever. Uh, so, you know, Bear sees that. I don't know what exactly goes through his mind about it. I don't know if you guys have seen, though, he has a new girlfriend. He's been posting all over Instagram as of the past like week or so with this new chick. People are trying to figure out who she was. It's definitely not Georgia. No need to worry there. And it's definitely not Nicole. Nicole and Georgia are best friends. That would never happen. Uh, CT making slurping noises. Yeah, CT was making all like, it was fucking gross. Uh, <laughs> I forgot where I heard it, but yes, they are exes. Who's exes? Who, Fabi, who are you talking about? Who's exes of who? It was sloppy. Since when? Shawnee, did you know this? I knew Joss, but not Bear. I knew Joss, but not Bear. Oh, Kaylee. I'm assuming, okay, Kaylee. Yeah, Kaylee and Bear. I did not know that they were exes, but Bear has hooked up with pretty much anyone who's been on X on the Beach UK. And they also, they really throw around the term exes very loosely when it comes to anyone who's been on X on the Beach UK. You could have made out with one person in Marbella and then boom, you're on fucking X on the Beach. And all of a sudden you have like five people that you've kissed, you know, for one time and random clubs all over. Cause they, they recruit mostly in Marbella, just FYI. That's where they go around. They get like all the promoters and all just anyone that looks hot and is in the scene there. We talked about that on the Joss interview I did with him. So that was the first podcast I actually put out. You guys can go listen to that. It's on our podcast feed. It's a very, very good interview. I really like that episode. And he did speak about casting and X on the Beach and things like that. Uh, So you guys can get a rundown of that more. And let's see. Let's move on now. So we got Spin the Bottle, whatever, Georgia Snogging Josh. And then we go into the Daily Challenge. Uh, I love the pacing for the challenge right now. It Like, fantastic fucking pacing. You know, we're getting so much content. I think this hour and a half format is fantastic. And I didn't realize so many shows do an hour and a half format, but I was just watching, um, what was I watching? I was watching The Voice. And 
I mean, it was like an hour and something. It was crazy. There was so much content. I was watching it without any commercials too, and the fucking footage was so long. So a lot of shows have been doing that. I think it's a great idea. And you know, we can't get all of this in an hour. We were missing out on so much last season because they were shoving it into an hour. The UK reality stars date each other. Yeah, everyone. In the UK, what's different from the UK to the US more so is just the fact that it's very similar cast members. Once you go on one UK reality show, the chances are, at least if you make somewhat of a splash, even if you make just a mediocre splash, you're going to go on to more shows. You know, a lot of people from Love Island end up going on to The Only Way is Essex or Made in Chelsea where they move on to other shows. Celebs Go Dating, that's a big one that a lot of people go on. X Factor is having a celebrity edition. So X Factor UK is doing a celebrity edition. And wait, is The Voice or X Factor UK? One of those singing competition shows is doing a celeb version. And they're having a lot of the reality stars on there. So a lot of the Love Islanders, there's actually four or five Love Islanders that got together and they're making a band and they're competing together. So there's all these different shows they all go on, they all mingle on. And on top of that, if you go and look at all of their pages, you'll see that a lot of them share the same representation. So there's a lot of huge social media influencer representation companies, like they're managing companies, they're agencies, they do a lot of their legal work and things like that. They're sort of all in one representation agencies that, that a lot of these people uh, go to. And a lot of them are at the same people. I think Theo, I don't know, if no, not Bear, Theo, Georgia, and is it Idris? Possibly Idris. They all have the same manager. Literally, their contact and email is all the same for their managing staff. So a lot of them meet that way as well. That's how they end up all dating, essentially. And it's better for their careers. You know, they're wanting to date within the social media world. So it boosts their, their careers and things like that. A lot of them have TV shows now. Because of that, Alex and Olivia from season two of Love Island have a massive show now. What's Jessica? X Factor USA was epic. IDK White. They canceled it. Yeah, I really loved X Factor USA. I thought it was great. I thought they did a good job. And I don't know why they said, I don't know why they canceled it. I forgot. I read an article once when it actually got canceled and I forgot what the reason was. Shawnee just said snogging, a bilingual queen. <laughs> that shit just comes out sometimes. Ay, ay, Okay, so back to the daily challenge. We have trivia, one of my all-time faves. I was so sad that they made this uh, not the full team. I, I wanted to see everybody compete. I hate when they do this kind of stuff where they sort I don't know, it just was weird. Why do we need to have only six people representing each team? It just made no sense not to have everybody there. It was. It seemed silly. Maybe it was because they couldn't shoot them up. I thought it was because they were only going to go six times. Like there was some sort of time limit or time crunch to film it. But then, no, they, they end up like doing everybody twice. So what the fuck? Uh, they definitely should have had the entire teams competing or just done it like a classic trivia challenge. I know Erlene didn't watch this, so I'll run it down. Uh, they pick the six smartest players. <laughs> smartest. It's funny when they say that. They six. They pick six players to represent the team. One player gets strapped into the lawn chairs at a time from each team. So they go like head to head. Uh, and if they get the question wrong, they get launched straight up. Th there was these jetpack type fuelers at the bottom, but I don't think they actually did anything. I think it was a prop just for smoke and effect and things like that. But they got launched straight up and they were connected to a bungee um, and it was just like the craziest thing, but it looked very safe. And on top of that, it, they were showing it in slow motion. So it seemed slow. It didn't seem as scary as a lot of the old challenges. You know, a lot of the trivia, a lot of the trivia, you know, things that we've seen where they get launched straight into the water and stuff like that, like that, it just wasn't as scary as that. They keep fucking attaching them to bungee cords. I seriously think that the UK 
cast members have such good legal teams that they just wouldn't allow them to go into contracts where more safety measures weren't weren't put in place. Because what is the reasoning for so much of this? It's ridiculous. Uh, anyways, a lot of them acted really dramatic. It seemed more painful for the guys to be launched up because they had these harnesses on that looked like they ripped right through their balls. So it did not seem pleasant for the guys. Uh, but it didn't seem that scary. Uh, it was more, you know, affecty with all the, the smoke and shit. Can we talk why Team didn't, UK didn't pick CT to represent them in the Daily Challenge? Yeah, team selection for the UK was a bit weird. I'll run down the teams right now. So Team UK picked Rogan, Bear, Theo, Georgia, Nicole, and D. And I didn't really get this. I mean, I, listen, like, to be honest, when you look at objectively, right, UK reality stars are stupider than, than US reality stars. And that's saying something because US reality stars are fucking stupid. And I don't mean socially stupid or culturally stupid because there is an argument for sure that the UK stars are more well-traveled and more cultured in that way. But when it comes to general knowledge, I mean, they just don't have it in them. If you watch any of those shows, Geordie Shore, I mean, any of them, and you hear some of the comments, it's just, it's out of this world. So I knew this was not going to be a good day for Team UK. Uh, and I also knew once they had not picked up, like, I was confused why they picked uh, Nicole for this, because she doesn't, seem like the sharpest tool in the shed or as Georgia likes to say the brightest crayon in the crayon box is that her her saying she keeps saying the same crayon saying it's really funny uh, so I didn't really get it I don't know why they didn't pick CT CT seems like he's with it I think that he would have gone for it he's playing such a low-key game that I'm not sure he's wanting to put his neck out there as much uh, but I'm you know I don't really know exactly why they didn't pick him on there I throw the whole list away I still remember when Jenna and Jay won trivia versus Jordan and Sarah and Zach's comment that Sarah and Jordan weren't encyclopedia and Jay and Jenna weren't even brochures. Yes, Fabi, that was fantastic. What an upset of a win. I was thinking about this, that tonight when Jordan said uh, he didn't want to look like a dum-dumb. I was like, yes, not for the second time. Uh, so anyways, they, they get their teams up there. We start off with the head-to-heads. We have, oh wait, did I say who's on Team USA? So Team USA picked a decent squad. They've got Tori, Ashley, Cam, Zach, Polly, and Jordan, which I thought was a phenomenal, a phenomenal group. They really put up their, their best brains. Uh, so first up, we have Jordan versus Theo. This was, this was, I don't even know what this was. I, I feel so bad for Theo during this, this part. Uh, I thought the questions were pretty evenly matched for this round, also, I know everyone's talking about the dum-dum thing. Does it not remind you when he said dum-dums? Like, the entire time I just thought about the lollipop. We need to make a meme of that. So we're, I need to get a meme of that. I need Jordan on a dum-dum lollipop. Uh, so they got... Uh, who invented the telephone? I knew it was Belle. I did not know it was Alexander Graham. I, I, like, knew that if I looked it up, but I didn't know it off the top of my head, so I was very impressed with Jordan when he got it all. Uh, what is the only continent with land in all four hemispheres? And this was Theo's question. Obviously, the correct answer is uh, Africa. I can't believe he said Antarctica. I was really surprised on that. I think he was thinking the hemispheres like this way, like cut across instead of like looking at it from here. Do you know what I mean? He was looking at the top. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what he was thinking there, but definitely not the correct answer. Jordan won that and got the point. These questions were so easy. I don't know. Some of them were not the easiest. They got easier as they went on. There were some weirdly placed 
heart ones. Um, Tori smart since when? Tori is very smart. Thank you very much, Jessica. We will beef about Tori all evening long. I have lots of energy to beef about Tori right now. I will back that girl up to the moon. Okay, so then we have Polly and Georgia. I mean, this was just the funniest sequence of events when Georgia starts going, ooh, ooh, ah, 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 ooh, ooh. <laughs> had me fucking howling. And the way she was doing it too, she was like really getting into it with her body and her stance. I don't know if you guys remember. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when it was last season. Oh, my dog is eating off his cast. He's eating. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's my little troublemaker. I don't know if you guys remember last, was it last season or two seasons ago when me and Zach were talking about Polly and we were talking about how his posture is very monkey-like, the way he sits and he like has that sort of stance. So when Georgia started doing that, I was just cracking the fuck up. Like, honestly, that was hilarious. And obviously useless. So Polly gets the question spell alliance, which is the easiest question on the face of this planet. That is just stupid. And Georgia gets a question that I think is fucking hard. What is Tiger Woods's first name? First of all, he's a golf athlete. He's, there's no way somebody in the, like, he's not even that famous worldwide. I mean, he is, but he's not, his name isn't that famous. That's a hard question. That is a difficult, difficult question to answer. And I thought it was a lot harder than alliance. I think if the questions were evenly matched, it'd be different, but it wasn't, in my opinion, for this one. Uh, so his real name is Eldrick, and his, the name that she gave was Oliver, which was, I don't know, it's not even like a good guess. I don't know. I don't even know what I would have said, because I didn't know it was Eldrick. Uh, okay. Georgia is hilarious. I agree with that, Jessica. Uh, <laughs> TJ, spell honor. Georgia, H-O-N-O-U-R. Yes, Greg, that is hilarious. I love that. I mean, it's true. Could you imagine if they gave them, a, like, something that had multiple spellings? I always thought we spelt color with a U. And then I learned we didn't spell color with a U. But I always spelled color with a U, like, even when I was growing up here. So I think I just misspelled it my whole life. And I, I think I also misspelled gray. I spell it multiple ways. Okay. Then we get Cam versus Nicole. This one was kind of sad. So Cam gets a very easy question. No doubt about it. There is no which way to phrase this question that is not so fucking easy for any girl on the face of this planet that is alive right now to answer. I think my mom could even answer that. And she's literally the most out of touch human being in the world, but she probably knows this question. And that was name the movie that this quote is from. And it was shut up, Gretchen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It isn't going to happen. And he even like went on for a while with the quote, making it just outrageously easy. So obviously it was Mean Girls. And then Nicole gets a question that I was ready to pounce on TJ for giving Cam a super easy question. And then I thought they were going to give Nicole like a really hard question. But when they asked Nicole the question and she got it wrong... I was just like, you can't blame anyone but yourself. Like, you you just can't. You got a fairly... It was harder. I will say it is harder because it involves actual multiplication. And I think that Nicole could have easily gotten the Mean Girls quote question. But I do think you have to be able to answer this one. Nicole's question was, how many seconds are in five minutes? And she answered 50, which is just the... Or she answered 50 or 56, something like that. But just the craziest just the craziest answer you can't not know i mean take a second multiply it out it's literally five times six and add a zero you know what i mean you can get this thank you fabi yes it is 300 uh and it's just it's just the craziest it reminded me a little bit of actually i don't know if i would say that this is stupider than 
bananas is Dutch answer for the national language of Australia. What do you guys think? Do you think that this is a stupider response or was bananas stupider than when he answered Dutch? I'm not I actually can't. I don't know which one is stupider. I think Dutch is stupider. I think Dutch is stupider. But but please, let's let the fans decide. Tell me what you guys think. So then we got Tory versus Rogan and nobody got points here, which is the next few rounds were no one. So Tori got how many hearts does an octopus have? And these were multiple choice. He said one, two, or three. I knew it was three only because there's no way that he would give a multiple choice answer and for it to just be one. And I figured it wouldn't be two because it seemed like it wasn't as dramatic of an answer enough. So I figured it was three. That would actually been my guess. But I didn't know, you know, I don't know how many fucking hearts an octopus has. That's just what I would have deduced if I was there. But that's a hard question. But an equally, I think, hard question for someone to answer, which is how many men have walked on the moon, this isn't necessarily super common. I wouldn't know the answer to this off the top of my head. I would be able to figure it out because I know that it was more than eight, but I wouldn't have been able to like guess 12 if he had asked that. But it was a multiple choice question. So he had, it was how many men have walked on the moon and he said four, eight, or 12. Um, so I would have been able to deduce those answers, but that, that's, those are still really some fucking hard ones right there. Uh, they both got them wrong. So anyway, Zach versus D, they both got these wrong. Uh, Zach's question was difficult. I would have never been able to answer this because I never watched The Simpsons. I was not like that into The Simpsons growing up. I thought it was kind of a weird show. On the TV show, The Simpsons, what is the name of the family dog? And Zach answered Roscoe. I wouldn't even know what to guess. Off the top of my head, I said Stewie because I was thinking Family Guy, but then I realized that's not the right show. So I would definitely have not been able to answer that one. What was the answer to the dog? I actually didn't look that up. Nicole obviously came from Jupiter. I think Dutch was just his way of throwing the challenge. Yeah, I, I hope it was his way of throwing the challenge. Geography is hard. Geography is uh, geography should not be difficult because it's just a map. You just have to study it. It's really cool. I love geography. I can name all the countries in the world, and I still think it's my most impressive party trick, and I will always be fucking proud of that. Uh, okay, so you you weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. Yes, a lot of people weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. I don't know what that's about. Oh, the dog's name was Santa's Little Helper? I didn't understand that when they said that on the show. I thought they were talking about something else. Okay, thank you very much, you guys. Dog's name is Santa's Little Helper. Uh, D's question was, name all seven continents. This was inexcusable. To not be able to name all seven continents is just fucking atrocious. North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, Antarctica. It's like the easiest thing ever. So if you can't name those... That's just sad. You need to be able to name. That's like the first thing you learn in school when you're a kid. They show you the fucking thing and they're just like, here's all the places. Um, and just FYI, actually Australia, although it is a continent, there's so much more to Australia. Australia, the continent includes as well Oceania and things like that. Yeah. And the fact that D got this wrong, you know, throughout my life, before I moved to Israel, I had this misconception that Americans were really stupid. But the truth is, once I moved overseas and I started meeting many people from all over the world and I started traveling as well and I started going all over, yes, there is something to be said for people who travel and are cultured, but I would say there are stupid people all over the world. Let me tell you, like 
people give Americans shit for being idiots when it comes to geography and it comes to all those things. And you see those clips where someone's like on Venice Beach asking a bunch of questions like, where is Iran? And someone's pointing to there and to there. And I mean, you could do that exact same video in the middle of Australia or in the middle of the UK or in the middle of South Africa or in the middle of fucking anywhere. And people would get those same things wrong. You might be able to find maybe one or two smarter people, whatever it is. But the same thing is, you know, in LA when they're doing it on Venice Beach, they just edit out the smart individuals, right? So, you know, there's stupidity all over the world. I think Americans get a bad rap just because we're slightly less traveled. But there's literally no reason when you have a giant country like five hours for a flight for us, me to New York across our country, five hours from London is Tel Aviv. It's a whole other continent. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, they can, they can go to places a lot easier, meet more people from outside of their country a lot easier. It's different. But let me tell you, they're fucking stupid. Like they're fucking stupid. Trust me all over. Stupidity is not exclusive to America. And we got to see that today on this challenge. Okay. So then we have Ashley versus bear. And uh, this was what artist has the most streamed song of all time. I thought this was Taylor Swift, but it was actually Ed Sheeran. I did not know that. That's a hard question for sure. Ashley won this. I didn't write down her question. I forgot what it was, but she got it. Um, Jordan versus Theo. So Jordan had the theory of relativity, Einstein, and then Theo had what is the value of pi in mathematics, uh, in two decimal places. So he couldn't even do 3.14. Like that's fucking scary. That is just, that is just scary. That is just scary. Uh, and then you got Polly versus Georgia. This is the final round. And Polly wins this one. He has to spell cutthroat. This is really hilarious. Georgia keeps doing her ooh, ah thing, but with a different, a slightly different tone and pitch this round. So it was maybe like a, a different monkey from a different tribe or something, but it was so fucking funny. She just cracked me up when she was doing this shit. And uh, he got cutthroat right. And then the next one was um, for Georgia, who is Peter... Peter Hernandez, and she gets T-Pain, which was hilarious, because, are you kidding me? Do you think T-Pain's name is Peter Hernandez? Like, it was just the funniest thing ever. Uh, and it turns out it's actually Bruno Mars, who, fun fact, used to be a family friend of the Suisas way back in the day, and one of our close friends is actually still, like, his manager or something. I don't know if he's still his manager, but he's still one of his best friends. That, I knew it was Bruno Mars. I didn't even know that, because as long as I've known him ever since I was a kid as well, we used to call him Bruno. So it was never, I never even knew that he had another name. Um, okay, so we got Team USA. They win. They essentially smash that challenge. And we have Nani picked as the speaker. There's a lot of shade thrown that the speaker, Nani, and then the tribunal, Leroy and Ninja, none of them actually competed in the challenge. None of them even answered a single question. So, like, what the fuck? They're still in the tribunal making all the decisions for the team. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Did you feel like it was fair? And if it wasn't fair, what should they have done? Like, should they have, should they have not, or should they have gone back on the agreement that they had from the Team USA meeting and, and picked a new speaker in the moment when they realized that, you know, not everyone was going to be competing? Because I'm not sure exactly, I'm honestly not sure exactly how that would have played out. I do understand the frustration of them not competing, but what exactly would have changed or how would they have gone about that maybe had a quick team meeting after the challenge I don't know but it would be it would be it seemed like it would be a hassle to sort of renegotiate that after they just got some peace within their team uh okay so then we have the tribunal everybody goes to sit down and right when team USA right when team UK sits down for their deliberation 
they fucking went at it. I mean, this team cannot communicate for shit. Holy crap. I cannot believe how much they yell and scream at each other. Nobody could get a word in edgewise. It was bad. It was bad. Esther sits down and just starts charging at everybody with all of this shit. And I thought it was just super unfair for her to come in there with that entitled attitude when her performances have been... I mean, lackluster to say the least, you know, she had one of the worst swimming performances we have ever seen on the fucking show. And she had the audacity to come in there and sit down and go at it. Say what you will about Cam and her cockiness and her entitlement, her first season, but at least she was decent. <laughs> at least she was winning daily challenges, you know, at least she was, she, she had stuff to back it up. Um, and Esther is, I don't know. To me, I was just like not a fan of how she was going in there with that sort of mentality. And and on top of it, you want to know what it is? It's like, be honest about it. So they were all owning it in their interviews, which I mean, like if I were to call people fake, which I don't even like that word, but this is exactly when people would call someone fake, right? Uh, this is how, you know, our society uses this term, right? Fake. All of them in their interviewers were saying, were saying literally Nicole's not the weakest, but she's not in our alliance, right? So they were all honest about it then, but in the fucking tribunal, they're all acting like it's not a numbers game. They're all acting like Nicole is the weakest, like Esther has a case for staying there. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? That's crazy. And as a team, it is so unbeneficial for them to carry around their dead weight. You know, they haven't seen team challenges in a long time, so they don't know how these usually run down. But it is all about getting the tightest team you can, all about making sure that everybody who's there is contributing. Do I think Esther should stay until the end? I mean, do I think Nicole should stay until the end? No, I, I honestly don't. I, I honestly don't. I don't think she's, you know, I think at some point she should go into elimination for sure. But her time is not come yet. And it was crazy that they sent in her over Esther. Esther needs to go first. She cannot swim. She cannot fucking swim. That is a big deal in a fucking challenge. I mean, it's just, it is just detrimental the way in which they're playing their game. Although I will say this, there is a case for keeping, there, there is a case for, for the UK possibly killing it this season and the fact that they are going to be trimming a lot of their players regardless. Because if they're keeping on someone like Esther, they're going to be losing challenges and presumably going into elimination a lot and dwindling down their team to, you know, however many people by the end of it. And we've seen in past challenges way back in the day when it was team events that all those teams who ended up getting, you know, I mean, who, who basically got the shit end of the stick so long throughout the entire regular part of the season where they were just being sent in elimination nonstop because either they were losing or being called out or whatever it was, or their people were losing, you know, apart from, I can't think of, apart from maybe cutthroat where it really didn't benefit people to have no one on their team. I'm talking about Emily and, and Jen. Um, is it Emily and Jen? Yeah. Apart from, apart from cutthroat, most of the other times when you had a smaller unit and you had a tighter team, you actually did a lot better in the final. So if that keeps happening to the UK, I could see that pattern kind of happening now uh, where they are going to be losing more challenges. They're not really keeping their team strong and they're going to be losing a lot of numbers. And so that could help them down the road, at least for the people remaining. But it's not looking promising for my favorites on the UK team at all. It seems like, it seems like just hopeless at this point, especially with the way that some of my favorites in the UK are playing their political game. They are just too straight up. You know, they're, they're too, they're just 
too out there. I understand being honest. I get it. I love that. That's my thing, you know, being blunt. But you're in a you're in a political minefield. You have to navigate it properly and they're they're just not doing that. They're going in there and they're trying to I don't know, they're trying to go at it with way too much of an honest perspective, an honest they're they're just being too honest about everything. And that's what that's what it is. They need to be smarter. They need to keep their cards closer to their vest. Did we say vest or chest? I forget what it was. One of those, but they need to keep it close to their fucking vest. And they need to be able to then use the information they have when it's necessary, not just throw it out, throw it all out there at the same time. I think that's their downfall right now. You see Bear and Theo, obviously Bear can't keep his mouth shut for shit, but you see Theo going out there throwing out a bunch of crap that doesn't need to happen. Um, his, you know, 10 minute monologue last episode didn't help him at all in Tribunal. And then this episode as well, like they, they need to start playing smarter, a lot smarter and possibly politicking with CT, if they could have done before this elimination, got together. See, this is where they sort of went wrong, is before the tribunal, you heard a conversation between uh, Jenny, was it Nicole and Nani? I don't think Jenny was there, but it was Nicole and Nani. Nani was asking, you know, who's going to be going in? What's, what's going to be happening on your side? And Nicole didn't know. That's a problem. You can't not know before the tribunal. You're going to be shot out of luck. You're going to get in there and you're going to be shocked. You're going to be blindsided in a second. So what they're not doing is they're not rallying the troops properly enough. I think if they had gone, like for example, right, if Nicole and Georgia and maybe Kyle, because I think Kyle would be a good good person to talk to CT about this, went to CT and and spoke about what was going to happen in the tribunal and was like, listen, we need the numbers. We need you where it's it's six six tied up and you're the swing vote CT and we don't want another one of our side to go home we don't want another good team player to go home you know Esther is worse than Nicole you know we need to have a tighter unit CT's already spoken about that so he's open to that kind of that kind of gameplay talk to him convince him into that get him on your side so that way when you go sit down in tribunal First of all, he's not making a decision on the fly and he trusts in you guys that you guys have a plan that you guys are going to be level-headed and instead What's happening and what I'm assuming is happening is CT is watching his team fall apart, be super immature when they get into these discussions in tribunal, and he's siding with who he thinks is more composed, with who he thinks is holding up better, who he thinks is a more responsible, mature, contributing member of the team, and that's this side that maybe isn't yelling as much. Like, it's, it's just not looking good for them. They're not playing it smart. And I do think that they could have really got the numbers on their side if they actually just tried a bit more. They're just not politicking. There really isn't a way for either team to throw a challenge to keep Esther, though. They wanted to keep Esther because of the numbers. Yeah, they want to keep Esther because of the numbers. I do get it. And I do get that there is also an argument for keeping Esther in the sense that if you're on TBUK and you're on Esther's alliance, you want to be able to have someone on there who you can go against that you can really beat, you know? If you're someone like Kaylee, why would you want to vote out Esther now and send her into elimination that you know you're not going into? Why not wait until you're going into elimination? Kaylee's not the strongest, but she's definitely strong enough to beat Esther, so keep her in there as your layup, as your your person that you're going to go in, you know, at the end. Um... I didn't realize how fucking beautiful Nicole is. Yes, you know, so I totally agree with that. Nicole looked fantastic this episode, and she really was shining. I'm happy we got to see her personality. I'm happy that sh- that shown through before she uh, got eliminated. Georgia saying her heart gets her far. She's... Yeah, Fabi, I did. 
I did cringe a bit at that part. You know, Georgia needs to understand that you have to be a little bit more manipulative. You have to play with your head a bit more and you have to just, you have to be smart, play smarter, not harder. They're all trying to go in there with their heart, which was amazing their first season because it was about winning eliminations, trying really hard, winning these comps, but it's not going to work this time. It's definitely not going to work this time. CT weakening the UK team so he can go in and jump sides right before the final. I don't think so. I don't think that's CT's plan. I think he's pretty happy with his UK team. I, If I was CT, I would see it the way I was looking at it before with what I said in, in the sense that dwindling down your team is beneficial for you because less people split the money. It always works out better in the end when it's a team final, as we've seen in the past. And CT knows that he actually lived through so many of those finals. He was around. He was around when he had to carry Tina and shit. You know, he, he lived those moments. Um, CT now realized where I'm, where he's standing and he knows he's been going against Theo and Bear, not because of him, but because of them too irrational. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that as well. Okay. So tribunal, they end up voting for Nicole and the Kyle just like walks out. He's like, you guys are fucking pussies. You're all scared. He just gets so pissed off and he leaves and ends the tribunal in my opinion, prematurely because they could have argued it, I think, a bit more. They could have... See, this is what they're doing. They're getting so worked up that people aren't on their side that they're not even trying to get people on their side. That's really, I think, what it boils down to with the Team UK right now is that they're so caught up in this shit. And so they're so caught up that CT voted one way and Kyle's just like, fuck this, you know, and he's leaving instead of being like, CT, are you serious? Are you serious right now? You really want to vote in someone? Let's just be rational. Let's do another revote. This doesn't make any sense. We need to think... Clearly, CT, you're the swing vote here, and you could possibly keep in somebody who's a team player who's done better than the other person every single challenge, who beat Kara in a swimming in a swimming challenge. You know, he could have really come out there and spoke some more reason to CT. I feel like they vote and then they think it's over, but it's never over. Fight for it, fight for it, and fight for it in a smarter way. Let's see, Jessica has a question. Shawnee, thoughts on Jordan calling Georgia the strongest girl on the UK team? Did I hear him call Georgia the strongest girl on the UK team? What did he say that in reference to? You know, I will agree in a way. I do see, I do, we are seeing some of Georgia's weaknesses though this season. And, you know, as well with Baron and Theo. And the weakness is politics. The weakness is their political game is just not there. They don't grasp yet how to play the game politically. They don't yet grasp you know, what numbers means and how to turn people and, and how to manipulate people to come on their side. They, you know, I think Georgia's just too, she's coming at it from a too much of a things should be fair perspective, which in a way is one form of entitlement, right? Where you think that life should be fair. You think that situations should be fair because Esther is worse than Nicole. Nicole should stay. And while that's a great argument, it's not a matter of being fair on the challenge. 100% 100% Fabi, she is naive. And that's the naivety is coming through is that you believe these things should be fair, but it's not, that's not the way it is in the challenge. So just because Nicole is the weaker player doesn't necessarily mean that she's not, just because Nicole is the stronger player to Esther doesn't mean she's not going to go into the elimination. You have to still work the political game. That's where they need to go in. And that's where we're seeing this weakness from Georgia. So I do think she is one of the strongest on Team UK physically, uh, and with passion and, and competition-wise, because she has a unique ability to compete under pressure and give it all she has and not give up until she's done. And that's something that 
uh, is important and in, shows a lot of strength and challenge. But I, I would say that this one weakness does knock her down a lot in my eyes because it's a very important part of the challenge. Political game is just as important as physical game. So, you know, and I maybe Jordan made that comment as well before he saw a lot of the political game go down. From did he make the comment on Twitter? Or was it on uh, was it on the show? Because I I missed it in the episode. But if it was on the episode, then it's possible he made these comments before he saw the uh, before he saw how Georgia was playing politically. Because I do think he would factor that in a bit more. Uh, Sean Jenny versus Ninja and Hall Brawl. Who wins? Fuck, that would be a good ass competition. I know Calhoun would say that Jenny wipes Ninja out of the water with this one, obviously, because he's you know as anti-ninja as they come. But I will say, I do think... Uh, I'm going to give this one to Jenny. I'm going to give this one to Jenny purely because her athleticism is far superior. And she does seem like she is more skilled in that kind of uh, hand-to-hand combat than Ninja would be. Ninja, like she's admitted so many times before, she's an air creature. She's not a, you know, she doesn't even like being on the ground as much. So competitions like that aren't going to be her strong suit whatsoever. And it seems Jenny can do virtu- virtually anything. I mean, Jenny, you know, has the mental game as well down, which a lot of people underestimated her on that, but she managed to do a puzzle. So I do think Jenny would, I do think Jenny would annihilate Ninja in that kind of a competition. You know, a competition like Ninja did against Laurel, I'd love to see Jenny and her compete against that. I I also think Jenny could possibly beat her in that too. I've seen some videos of Jenny doing some climbing and stuff and she's fantastic. So either way, if it was in Ninja's wheelhouse, it'd be close. But if it's in something like Hall Brawl, I'm giving it to Jenny. I'm definitely giving it to Jenny. Uh, Jenny looks like she, like She-Hulk. Yes, Fabi. She is just ripped. And, you know, I want to stop right now and give a shout out to Jenny before we continue this on the recap Jenny has one of the best social media pages I've seen across any reality TV star. It, yeah, I, I would I would put my name on that statement right there. I think across any reality TV star, even over Tories. I will say Tories is still amazing. And in one way, Tories is better in the sense that it's more creative. It's more artsy. It has uh, more planning to it. And so it's more of an almost like an art piece, right? When she puts out her Instagram, I find that the way in which she lays everything out is very artistic and it has that edge over Jenny's. But Jenny's Instagram has something that is so raw, fantastic, motivational, inspirational. Like she's a really lovely human being, you guys. I mean, if you read her post, she's amazing. She's constantly helping people. She's always putting out stuff that is beneficial and not just in a cheesy way, not just in a like, oh, here's me, you know, without makeup, feel good about yourself kind of a thing. She really is raw and authentic, and I love the words that she puts on uh, her Instagram captions. She has some really good stuff there. So if you're feeling down or you need a little boost or a pick-me-up, go to Jenny's Instagram. It is really lovely. It is just lovely, and it'll show you a bit more about who she is. She's one of those people, she reminds me a lot of Emily in the way that she's come to this show to compete. She wants to win. She wants to do well. She wants to see what she can do with her body and push herself to the limit. And in a way, stay out of trouble. It doesn't seem like she's too much of a troublemaker. I didn't watch her original show. So if she was a big drama queen on that show, then maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. But from what I've seen now, she does give me some serious Emily vibes. 
Did anyone else notice how Tori and Nani hang out with the Brits and talk to them, whereas Kara is nowhere to be seen? This is a question from Rebecca. Ooh, that's a very, very, very good question. I love that. And, you know, it says something about them. I mean, people are trying to mingle. They're trying to be nice. They're trying to get to know everyone. They're trying to hang out with the house. And then Obviously, you see somebody who's looking fairly miserable this season. So I'm not sure if it's the Botox, like Marie said on Instagram. I'm not one to judge physical appearance. But genuinely, if you get too much Botox in your face, you actually can't make so many expressions. So it's possible her the miserable look is just because she can't move her face. So And that's not to say she doesn't look good. I think Carla looks fantastic. She's always gorgeous. Um, but that might be it, you know? I've also heard from a few people that Kara and Polly are, they're a little bit more secluded. They like to, they like to be, you know, alone to themselves a lot and they don't necessarily mingle with the house as much as others. So it's possible that's happening. Uh, Fabi, talking about Botox, Jenny needs to get off the lip fillers though. Everyone needs to get off the lip fillers. If you overline your lips, they will look so much bigger. I really didn't overline them today, but like a few episodes ago, I think I did. I mean, every I just you overline them. It takes two seconds. You just do a little, and they just look so much bigger, and they don't even look weird. Uh, it's it's so much better than fillers. People have been getting fillers nonstop. We were speaking about this in one of our other groups, which was what happens to the filler, because you have to constantly maintain it. Apparently, the filler metabolizes in your body, and it just goes in. So that's I don't know. That just can't be too good, but. We're, we see the Brits and we see their lips and think they're massive, but when you look at them compared to other British reality stars, like, they're not even that bad. You should see some of them. You should guys need to watch Celebs Go Dating because that really has some of the biggest lips I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's a fucking hilarious show. Season one and season two of Celebs Go Dating is unbelievable content. I think Bear's on season two. I could be wrong. He might have been in a later season, but his... Season of Celebs Go Dating is wild. He ends up getting kicked off. There is so much beef that goes on. Uh, beefs. The Brits would be less likely to throw in Tori and Nani because they like them. That's Rebecca. I agree, Rebecca. I totally agree with that. You have to socialize. Uh, Pauline Irving is saying, Pauline trying to alienate Kara for when he turns on her and she has no friends. Hot take from Challenge Fans Admins. Yes, and shout out to Challenge Fans, one of the best Challenge Fan communities out there. There are 25 plus thousand members, uh, and it's super engaging community. Definitely go on there and check it out. Join if you're not a member. You know, it's possible. It's po- I don't know exactly what Polly's play is here, but it's definitely possible. I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. I have the hardest time telling when people are genuine in their relationship or not. I don't like judging whether or not they are. I do think they love each other, but there's been so much recent stuff on Twitter that's been really weird. And my biggest hesitation with them is the simple fact that they're such different people. I find Polly is so much more uh, motivated by wanting to entertain and wanting to keep things relevant than Kara is, whereas Kara is so much more motivated by her emotions and being, you know, the sensitive being that she is. And so I don't know. I don't, I can't, just don't see them as such a match. Like, I'm not sure. There's so much chemistry sexually. I see that, obviously. I think we all see that. But 
are they really are they really the best fit for each other it's it's i don't i don't know i can't pinpoint it did you guys see the twitter did you guys see the was it twitter or instagram there was instagram stories uh, that were posted and i think it was about the kaylee argument i can't even remember what it was to be honest what it was about but it was the exact same situation and it was Polly's take and Kara's take and they, it was night and day you know Polly was like we're all adults whatever it is what it is and blah 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 and then you have Kara who goes on this super mad rant almost like max ayto style rant super offended seems so sensitive taking it all in so i i don't know i don't know i'm not sure you know the longevity that's going to be there with that relationship we'll see are they going to be together in the long run who knows um, but we'll watch it play out. I don't want to judge. I don't want to, you know, judge prematurely as well before I've even met them in person. Like, I can't even tell you. So we'll see. Death, Polly, and Cars relationship looks weird lately. It, do it does. Things also look weird lately. There's, there, someone's on time off. I don't know. It's just strange. There's just lots of hints going down. I'm not really one to read into things either, but it does seem off. So who knows? Maybe they're keeping it up so that way this season plays out well, and then they're going to announce like they broke up or something. We'll see how that goes. Um, okay. So then we have the rest of the tribunal, which is with Nicole and Team USA's um, Team USA's tribunal, Leroy, Ninja, and Nani. And they ask her, you know, who do you want? And obviously Nicole's like, I want Esther. And Leroy, continuing his stance as unbiased team member, I love what Leroy is doing in this game. He, it's, it's kind of a big brothery mental game that he's playing right now. He's dropping in and drilling in this line that he's like for the team, he's with the team, he's playing for Team USA, he doesn't want to send in people, you know, and it just this super cooperative attitude and almost washing himself completely of any of the stain that was left from Bananas and Laurel's mistakes, or uh, not mistakes, but big moves, big blindsides. So, you know, he's completely clean of any of the shit that they pulled right now because he is just rebranding himself. He's like rebranding himself almost as if it was like a new marketing campaign like when starbucks got a new fucking logo like leroy is getting a new logo he's getting a totally new look a new perspective people are looking at him differently and i think it's a great great move for his game i'm excited to watch i'm excited to watch it play out i'm excited to see what happens with it and see if he ends up being you know a top dog a top leader on the team then nani goes to ct and this was a great conversation i loved it nani's talking to ct about how leroy is just playing this sort of like pc game and it was funny to me because Nani talking to CT about how Leroy is not taking a stance, but CT's entire gameplay this season has been about not taking a stance. So the fact that CT was criticizing Leroy was hilarious. It was, it was just so funny. Um, and then you have the night out. Now, they've been doing lots of nights out. We all know I love when they go clubbing on this show. Uh, Jordan and Tori are just so cute. I thought we were about to get the proposal right there in the fucking club. I was like, there's no way that he's doing it here right now. They are just adorable. We have confirmation they are adorable from many cast members in their interview scenes. And you just see the chemistry. You see it. When it, we went to that workout class at Slay Gym, uh, they're just so cute. I mean, they're just so fucking cute. Great, great pairing right there much better than Derek. What an upgrade from Tori's end. Can we all agree on that? I mean, can we all just agree on what an upgrade? Okay, so night out after we got Ninja and Nani. Again, I believe this was a big mistake in Nani's part. She, she just could have done something with this conversation to benefit her game and she didn't. And I don't know why she didn't. 
she could have used this moment to really reconcile with Ninja to see, you know, to see where she stands with her and to figure out a way to work with Ninja. Ninja at this point, I wouldn't say she's running anything, you know, on the Team USA side whatsoever, but she is a prominent member of the team. She's a prominent member within the Alliance, within Kara. So if Nani could figure out a way to somehow get Ninja on her side, that would have been so much more beneficial for her in that conversation. I don't know why she's not using that. Nani needs to, Nani is doing the same mistakes that Georgia is making. And Georgia is a fucking rookie. Nani's playing this guy, this game super naively and she's not, she's not using any of the political know-how that she's, that she's gained from all the knowledge that she's gained from all the seasons that she's been on. She's not using any of that experience. It seems like she is just frustrated that she isn't getting the response she wants from her team and she's playing emotionally. It seems, did Nani take too many seasons off, Rebecca? That's a good question. It's possible she did. Maybe she's lost her edge because Bananas went off and Wes is gone and she feels like she has no one to rely on. And maybe, you know, Nani's always been someone who's a bit sensitive. She's always been someone who's uh, who's expected her friends to stand by her and who's been who's felt betrayed when they don't. So I do understand her feeling this way with Leroy, but it just, I don't know. Like, she's just not playing it right. I totally agree. Irving, Irving is dropping this comment. I want to root for Nani so bad, but she makes it so hard. And I agree with that. I want to root for Nani too, but she's just not playing it smart this season. She should be doing exactly what Leroy is doing, blending in and then waiting till she can take her shot, not making it a big fuss, you know, not showing Ninja that she isn't a team player when she's in the tribunal, not being so combative during those moments. Like you don't have the numbers, girl, just pipe down, gain a few allies on your team and see where you can take it from there. She is just not doing what she needs to be doing. It is not working out for her, and I'm hoping that things can turn around. You know, we'll see. Early makes a good point. She says Nani has a, has always had a lot of trust issues. It's definitely showing now. We are seeing those come out bright and center. But at the same time, you would think that after so many years that, that maybe that, that has changed. Enos is asking, why would Nani want to make an enemy out of Jenny? I think she played it smart. Yeah, I don't know if it's really making an enemy out of Jenny. You know, you expect to throw in the strong player. But the way I see it is that Nani didn't have to vote in Jenny, but she also didn't have to fight Jenny either. If she had convinced them that voting in somebody else was beneficial to Team USA and that was her reasoning, it, she may have gotten her way. But instead, her campaign was that I'm going to vote in somebody that's beneficial for my game. That's never going to work when the dynamic is of your team is what it is right now. Team USA is looking for any slight thing to send somebody from their own team in. They're looking for any edge they can get on their own teammates. So you can't give it to them. What Cam is doing right now, which is she's lying through her fucking teeth, right? Saying that she's sending in people because it's better for her team when we very well know that Cam is sending in people that are better for her own game. But Cam is lying, which is what you should be doing at this point in the game. You should be fucking lying. You have to be playing that part. That's part of the politics. So Nani coming out there and saying, I'm doing this for my own game is the worst move she could have made. She should have said, why don't we send in someone like Kaylee, who Nicole could possibly beat because Kaylee is better than Nicole. Okay. But still within reach for Nicole to beat 
which still covers all of Nani's bases on the fact that Nani is going to be sending in someone who is against her numbers wise, but she would have a good argument to make to her team. It just, she could have played it a lot better, but instead she was saying, you know, I'm doing this for my, I'm doing this for my team and blah, blah, blah. And it just was, blah, which is why Cam is queen. Uh, Cam is queen because she calls herself queen. That's why Cam is queen. Let's move on. Night out. We have D and Georgia. You know, says I can't stand Cam at all. She's acting like a seasoned vet when she, when she's not, which I would typically agree with. But at this point, she's been on more seasons than most of the people on the cast. And, and Erlene responds with, she's better than these vets, which I mean, like maybe, I don't know. I think there's an argument for both. So continuing the night out, we have Dee and Georgia. This is where things get a little bit spicy. Dee starts talking to Georgia. It's this super hostile conversation. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It felt like that scene in Mean Girls. Maybe it's because Mean Girls was brought up during the trivia part of the episode, but I had Mean Girls on my mind watching this. I thought they were about to all start pouncing on each other like animals at the water fountain. I just envisioned the cafeteria, everybody going crazy. Uh, this was super, super Mean Girls-esque. Ask and we end up seeing a, a little bit of what I was talking about earlier with Georgia's downfall and some of her mistakes, which is her lack of political game. Because right here, we get to witness Georgia make a huge mistake. And it's almost back to back. We see Nani make the same mistake in the conversation before that. And then we see Georgia make virtually the same mistake Nani made in this conversation with D. And it's, they're talking, it's hostile, sure, but they could have both played it differently. Right, Georgia could have played it differently. She could have completely turned the tone of the conversation. Even if somebody's being sassy, right? For example, if someone's being shitty to you in a conversation, they're being aggressive, whatever it is, you just take their hand. You turn the note of the conversation in a different direction. You make it sincere. You make it authentic. You make it genuine. Even if it's not, play it up, right? And she could have changed that conversation from one that was ending with her launching a grenade at Dean Rogan's relationship to one that maybe set her up on her team going forward to not have to face eliminations as much as she's inevitably going to have to in her current position. And Dee is someone who plays with her emotions. We have seen this nonstop. She's super sensitive. She doesn't like people manipulating her emotions, but she only doesn't like someone manipulating her emotions because it's for a negative, right? If somebody was manipulating Dee's emotions for a positive, Dee would probably like that because Dee wants to feel good. She wants someone to make her feel happy. She is that kind of a person who is in that kind of way super sensitive, right? So I just didn't understand why Georgia wouldn't use that to her advantage right then and there. And we're seeing that she's a rookie. I'd love to be able to send her a message and say, you could have done this better so she can learn from her mistakes and figure this one out in the future. But the inexperience is showing. And Nani, really with zero excuse, making that same mistake with Ninja. I can't figure out, Rebecca's saying, I can't figure out why Georgia did this unless she was feeling bitchy. My theory is that Georgia, in that conversation, things weren't going great for her. And like I've said before, she can't, you know, if it's not going great for her, she's not going to think strategically. She's just going to think emotionally. So she's reaction. You know, she's reacting. She's super reactionary in her responses. It's just very fast. It's uh, the first thing on her mind. It's abrasive. Like when she kissed Josh. Uh, she's not processing these things and then strategizing. So for her, she was annoyed with D. The conversation was aggressive. She didn't like the way it was going. And then she just threw this one line that she thought would hurt D, uh, you know, as a sort of final, a final send off, you know, maybe trying to plant a seed to possibly 
create turmoil within that side or create more turmoil within that alliance. And it ended up working against her because then, um, and I know Erlene didn't watch. So what happened was Georgia at the end of the conversation was saying to uh, Dee, she goes, Rogan told Nicole that he doesn't even like you. He's going to leave you when he gets to his house and da da da. He's just playing you and all this shit. So obviously Dee gets upset. She ends up going to talk to Ninja. A really cringe moment happens here. When, I know Zach probably has some fucking comments on this. When Ninja is just like, can we have five minutes? Da 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 da. And Marie dropped a great tweet right around this moment, which is, does Ninja ever blink? And Ninja never blinks, guys. She, I don't think we've ever seen her blink on the show. The girl always has her eyes so wide open. I don't know how they're not dry and falling out of her face. Uh, but it was just... It reminded me, I guess, of last season when there was the D-Turbo Ninja fight. It just had the same vibe. Actually, Turbo was sitting right there next to them, so it was all the same characters. Uh, Fabi says, D and Rogan are cute, but it won't last. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with that. But anyways, after this conversation, after Georgia drops this hint, after she's crying with Ninja, then she's, you know, decomposes herself and goes and speaks to Rogan. And here's where Georgia's line is going to work against her because uh, we end up seeing Rogan slip uh, in, it's almost like a Freudian slip. He just slips in and he goes, we love each other, you know, while they're talking. And it was just a really casual line that he dropped in. You could see Dee's face get so happy when he said that. And then he sort of corrected himself. He's like, no, no, I mean, like, I mean, like, I, you know, trying to correct it. You know, at that point, Dee was just head over heels. You could see heart emojis just flying out of her sky, uh, out of her head. And she was so, so, so happy. Rogan looked hot, hot, hot here. Yes, Rebecca, he did. Do you guys agree with me that Rogan is not as photogenic? I, I mean, he's just not photogenic point blank. Like, he looks so good on the show and in video footage and in anything where you can see him, you know, in movement. But then the second he's on a photograph, it's, he just drops two points. I would say on a photograph, he's about an eight. And in video, he's like a 15. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's just the craziest comparison. He's one of the few. All these people look so good with all these filters on. And Rogan just looks better raw. He looks better on raw B-roll and footage. It's fantastic. So now we get uh, we get the rest of that conversation. They love each other, whatever. Everybody's happy. They're so cutesy. We'll see if it lasts. I'm not sure. I do think they're in a great position this season, though. Rogan and Dee as well. They're both... They're just not the biggest targets right now because the numbers are on their side. I don't think USA is looking at them in any sort of way. Rogan has the fact that he lost his first challenge as a great shield from him being, you know, a, a competitor you have to take out uh, from Team USA. D also has some downfalls here and there that shield her as well. And she has, you know, they both have the numbers on their side. So they're in a good position. We'll see how they do this season. I, I think Joss is in a decent position, but I would say Rogan is in a better position because people look at Joss as someone who has to be taken out more than they would look at Rogan as that, you know? And it does seem like Rogan is up to par with Joss with all the training that he's done. He's come back a lot stronger. So there's a lot of underestimating going on there. Greg says, D was cringing hard every time Rogan's name got mentioned at the SF Challenge Mania Live event. Yeah. You know, I could see it being one of those things where you're so caught up in the moment and you really feel like you have these feelings and they're so deep and you're with someone 24-7 and blah, 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 blah. And then you guys leave each other and you realize 
you know, what was I thinking? How did I like someone this much? Or they fuck up and it just doesn't work out. And, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So let's see. Yvette is saying, live watching tonight's episode, sixth Vietnam era song is played. I don't follow the spoilers, but should we read more into the music selection besides being awesome? Is production foreshadowing how this season will end? We do remember who did not win Vietnam, right? Wow. 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 That's one of the best comments I have ever seen on our lives. That is one of the single greatest takes I've ever seen on our lives. I absolutely love this comment right here. This is a fantastic comment. And it is, woo, I mean, what an analysis into the music that they're playing. And what a good take on that. I don't read spoilers either. I don't like spoilers. I sometimes mid-episode, I'll find the, I'll ask someone for the spoiler for the episode because I just, my heart will be racing too much. But I never look ahead. That is a fucking take right there. See, this is the shit that I, you know, if I have time, why I liked when we did Final Reckoning, we did the recaps the day after the episode, it gave me time to think, it gave me time to process things and to come up with stuff. But, you know, when you have to do the recap right after the episode, you don't have as much time to formulate these kind of genius fucking theories. But that is a smoking hot take. And you came up with that right after this episode. So I'm super impressed with that. Uh, let's see what Fabi says. Fabi says, the week West left, they played Kansas. Interesting. Interesting. It does seem like they are foreshadowing with the music selection. Saving Goodnight Saigon by Billy Joel for the final then. <laughs> Nice, Greg. Well, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and find out. We are going to have this on our minds throughout the season. We'll keep an eye on this. If this is correct, then that means that Team USA is going to be losing. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's going to be fucking curious. I'm like, actually, now I'm just curious as to know if that's the truth. So I think what we'll do now when me and Zach bring up the songs of the episode. We have to break down what the song is, what it means, and what it could possibly be foreshadowing, because if we could track this music, that'd be great. I'm waiting for Africa by Toto to come on. Okay, you know, we're looking at classics here, baby. Classics. Okay, so then we get the morning after. We get Ninja and Cam uh, chit-chatting, and we, you know, I mean, in this moment in time, Cam is like, you think he needs convincing. I think he's just going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And so at that point, I was just thinking, I would hate for Cam, I would hate for Leroy to choose Cam over Nani purely because it would be so hypocritical of him after he got so mad at Kara for picking Kyle and Mendetta's. And him and Kara aren't even that close. Like Nani and Leroy are close. They were on the real world together. I mean, they've known each other since they were in their early, early, early 20s. I forget how old they were, but they were young as fuck on that season. They have been through so much together over the years. It would be crazy for him to switch and choose Cam over Nani in this kind of a situation, at least switch over maybe if the numbers end up... I mean, I know he's playing his own game, but it's sort of similar dynamic, and I can see why Nani would be upset about that, especially when, you know, Leroy has preached this kind of thing in the past. I do think, though, that what needs to happen is they need to come together and speak on the same level. What's happening right now is that they're both trying to play their own game. One wants the other person to back them up, and the other person wants the other person to play a smarter game, right? So Nani needs to play a smarter game, 
Leroy needs to talk to Nani about playing a smarter game instead of talking to Nani about how he has to play his own game. They could be playing the same game. They just have to play it together. Nani been talking trash about Leroy, though. Ooh. Erlene with the hot take. Where did you find that from? And is that currently talking about Leroy? Or was Nani talking trash about Leroy on the show in interviews? Because I didn't see too much shit talking. I saw she was fairly mature. I thought Nani handled it decently. She seemed upset, but she understood that Lyra is playing his own game and that it was for his own decision. Then we get the proving ground. This was a killer elimination. At first, I thought it was a lot harder than I it was, but I didn't realize that the puzzle pieces were connected. So we get down to the proving ground. We obviously know that Nicole is going in there, so she hops down next to TJ. And then we get the voting. Ninja votes in Jenny. Nani votes in Esther, which I was surprised about. I really thought she could have made a case for Kaylee. So I'm surprised she just went that route. Like, why not make a case and try and get someone in there? Uh, but she went Esther. And then Leroy go goes and votes for Jenny. I didn't think it was too much of a shock. It seems like that was what he was going to do. Uh, so I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't too surprised. I hate when they do the cliffhanger on who's going to vote and it's not even that shocking. I mean, I know the votes have been super shocking this season, but this was not one that we needed that for. Um, so essentially the elimination is called trapped and it is this, it's, <laughs> well, the way that I see it, we used to have these cook, we used to have these muffin tins for Thanksgiving. This is going to be a weird example, guys, but the, we used to have these muffin tins for Thanksgiving that were shapes. So they were like heart shapes or star shapes and they weren't really muffin tins. They were more, um, what's that bread that you eat? Cornbread. And they were long tins like this and you'd fill it up with the you'd fill it up like that and they'd bake and they'd rise through and then you'd take it out and you would slice it so you'd have like little slice you'd have slices so you'd have little hearts and stuff and little stars and all these different little things and this setup for the illumination reminded me just of that like the tube so what they had was this giant tube it was a square tube and it was pretty high i forget how high they said that it was but it was fucking high and it was made out of plastic and I don't know, maybe four feet wide on, on either end, four by four, this little square that was plexiglass made out of, possibly. I, I can't tell you exactly how much. It seemed like it was about four by four. And they had started at the way top. They had a puzzle that they had to solve with all these pieces and these ancient hieroglyphic type letters on there. And they had to jump down. Obviously, they were attached to a harness because the season is all about safety. So there's no like climbing down or sliding down. So they just sort of jump into this little tube, the, the little uh, cornbread tin, and they slide all the way down. And there's a bunch of balloons or balls at the bottom. They slide everything around, and underneath all the balls is the, uh, the key for the puzzle. So you have to go down there, memorize the key, and then come back up and put the puzzle together. Now, coming back up is obviously super, super difficult. There was not a single handle in sight. It was just the cube. It was all plexiglass around or glass something of that nature. So they had to use the structure. There was, it didn't seem like there was much of a strategy that was beneficial climbing up it. It seemed it was an awkward climb the whole way because it felt too big to really put your back on there and then put your feet forward. So you had to do a diagonally type thing. Uh, I think if it was smaller, it might've been easier. I'm not sure. Maybe if it got narrower as it went to the top, so it would get easier as it got to the top, that would have been better. It reminded me a lot of the spider crawl in uh, Ninja Warriors. Uh, if Ninja did this, she would have fucking killed it for sure. This is one that I think Ninja would have done very well at. Um, so they go down, they do that, they memorize the puzzle. It seems super, super difficult. 
impossible to get up. Nicole is struggling so hard. And after her first or second time going down and coming up, she wants to quit. You see her almost giving up. I did know that she was not going to quit in this because it was way too much hype on production's end. You could just tell that they were leaning towards a cliffhanger because nothing else was happening of interest during the elimination. Um, and then we get a bunch of checks. Now, I don't know about you guys, but a strategy that I was thinking about during this elimination that would have benefited Nicole a lot was why not just constantly switch the pieces around? So at first, when you look at the puzzle at the top, you think that it's a bunch of square pieces, but the truth is, is it's actually, or a bunch of little square pieces, but it's actually those combined. So I think there's maybe four or something pieces in one piece, and they make these big squares. So if you could just switch them around nonstop, maybe you go down one time, you figure out the top two layers, go back up, put those together, and then switch around the bottom a bunch and just get checks, 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 checks till you're right. You would have saved yourself so much time, so I'm not sure why that strategy wasn't used. I don't know if it was required for you to go back down and come back up before you get a check again, but that's exactly what I would have done. I would have, if, if you had to go back up and get a check, I would have done it each time then. I would have gone back up, come up, get a check. I mean, you're constantly, if you have the option, why not? And it didn't seem like there was that, that many pieces. One, two, three, four... It looked like there was just four pieces, but I could be wrong. Maybe there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Maybe there was nine, so it was three by three. I don't know, but it seemed a small puzzle. It seemed like a small puzzle. Um, so then we get Georgia crying. She sees her teammate is losing. Her best friend is losing. Uh, she's so sad about it. Her mascara is running to the bottom of the floor, and Nicole loses. Jenny wins. Jenny gets two checks. She ends up winning, and she kills this. You see her sliding up and down this tube like nobody's business. You can really see her muscles popping out and her skill popping out. I know Team UK, while Georgia was sad, is for sure happy to have Jenny back. She's a huge asset to that team. It would, you know, they'd be remiss to miss her, to, to lose her for sure. And then we cut to uh, an interview of Ashley calling Georgia dramatic, which I thought was hilarious. The hypocrisy. I mean, come on. Ashley cried and freaked out one night. I, do you remember even why she, because she didn't have her luggage and and Georgia's crying because her her best friend is leaving like come on Ash oh but it was so funny anyways everyone's entitled to their own little drama floor the bottom of the floor bum to hear bum not to hear turbo giving climb instructions I just don't know that there was much of a strategy you could take to climb that thing it was so weirdly sized it didn't feel because you couldn't you know you couldn't put your feet and then your hands like this like if you were to go I would go like this way, right? And you couldn't lean, you couldn't lean back and then have your hands fall. It just seemed a strange size to, to have any sort of strategy. It was weird. Um, George, Greg is saying, sorry, I called you George. That's so funny. Uh, Greg is saying, Ashley lecturing people about not melting down equals priceless. Yeah, it's just so funny. Uh, okay, so next week, this was the best part, I think, of this little end of the segment of our episode here, since the elimination was not so juicy. We get a little piece of Turbo fighting with Tori. I don't know what goes down, but I am so excited to see how this plays out. Turbo looks heated in this moment, so we'll see how that all goes down. I'm excited for next week. I can't wait to have Zach back. Everybody send him well wishes. And we'll see him when he gets back next week. Hopefully we'll have him on. We have so much to debrief with him. If you guys have any questions for me before I go off, I'll leave this on right now. I'll wait for you guys to send in some. Um, if you guys want to talk a little bit about the Manos podcast, I don't mind doing that. It was definitely a great interview. I really recommend people listening to it. 
there was a lot of funny shit that went down within uh, the challenge house that they mentioned that was so great, which was, you know, CT and Bananas doing these voiceovers of people in the house. I'd love access to ha- to the that footage. I would just love it. I'd love to hear what they have to say. It would just be fantastic. Uh, before I wait for you guys' questions, anyways, I'm just going to give you guys a little plug now. So saniacstory.com, uh, our store is not on our website. It's a separate website. It's a little bit more user-friendly for you guys to use and purchase everything at. I had some issues with the shipping the first week, so there were some problems, but uh, we got that sorted out, so now everything's correct on the website, and you'll be able to see that all there. We do have Black Friday and Cyber Monday coming up, so you know there will be a big sale then, uh, but get your stuff now, guys. Support the podcast. We have some really cool merch, and I have tested everything multiple times to make sure that it is wash-proof. We have... So this... um, I put this through the washing machine like a bunch of times and it's actually held up so amazingly well. I'm really, really pleased with the quality on these mugs and they're great. I honestly think I should have gotten the bigger one though because I'm much more of a a huge fucking mug person. Shawnee, do y'all have koozies? We don't, but I can absolutely put some koozies up there for you guys. That's a great idea. Yeah, you know, I started off with the basic merch. So I just put stickers, um, stickers, mugs, t-shirts, sweatshirts. So if you guys want anything else other than that, please let me know. I'm so happy to add some more merch to the line. And this is now, so this is now like my friend's t-shirt that I used to wear in Final, I used to wear in Final Reckoning all the time. It's become like my black graphic tee that I've been wearing loads. This has been washed now. Um, how many times? This has gone through the wash machine three times. So fucking fantastic. Look at the quality on that. It stayed so well and it's been in the washing machine three times. This one's only been washed once, but it's still also held up so well. And I just love the way that the graphics look. For anyone listening to the audio, I'm showing the t-shirts and the merch. So we have the one that I'm wearing right now, which is the two silhouettes on and the Saniac Podcast logo t-shirt. So you can check that out if you want to look at the video. Fast forward to this end on our Facebook page on the live video and you guys can see the merchandise uh, firsthand and in video content. And I just like, I really like it. It's just so cute. So support us for sure. If we could assign, here's Erlene's question. If we could assign virtual challenges to IRL cast, Enos is D, Santa is Rogan. Why is Santa Rogan? I think Rogan is too good to be Santa. Let's not just mix those up. (laughs) They don't know what koozies are out there. We know what koozies are. Those are the things you put around the beer, right? I don't even know what, like, I wouldn't know what a koozie is because I'm, I don't, like, engage in koozie activities, really. Like, I also, I mean, I don't even drink. I, ask me anything about weed. That's my specialty, ladies and gents. That's my specialty. Um, okay, so anyways, yes, check us out. And we didn't have much news content going out this week because it was Rosh Hashanah, so Shana Tova again. And I hope you guys all have a fantastic Jewish New Year, all of my Jewish saniacs out there. And, of course, all of my honorary members of the tribe. I love you guys all. Uh, and support our podcast, saniacstore.com. And we will get lots of new stories out this week. We will also have the cast reactions from this episode uh, up on our website soon. Hopefully tomorrow or Friday I'll get – I like to wait a few days so I can see if any cast members chime in after the fact. Sometimes the Brits come in later, so it's good to wait. And we'll get those all for you. We did do the cast um, reactions for episode five, which was great. Wes had some phenomenal tweets. Definitely check that out. And, of course, all of our quizzes, which are super fun. I saw our name chain. There's, like, thousands of plays on it already. So great job, guys. Everyone's been kicking ass in those quizzes. 
uh, Erlene's response because Enos kisses Santa's ass or I guess you are the rogue into his D. Ooh, ah, I feel like I'm so out of loop with the virtual world. Zach and I possibly want to host a virtual challenge, a Saniac virtual challenge. So if you're interested in that, let us know and maybe we'll get that going. It'll be a fairly short season since we're, you know, we're tied up and we're pretty busy with stuff, but maybe, uh, maybe we'll host one for you guys if, uh, if that's in your future. Did you guys know, fun fact actually, did you know that the Vevmo games are on Wikia, like the challenge Wikia fandom page? There's a Vevmo games series on Wikia for that. It's the craziest thing. Like there's usernames on there in the diagrams of who loses and stuff. How come the Facebook games didn't get as much recognition? I just think that we should be on there. It should be, you know, our name should be stamped on the Wikia legacy in challenge virtual games. We should definitely get our names there. Same a year for you. The cat Twitter reactions are a great feature. Thank you guys. Thank you. I know a lot of people don't like going onto Twitter, so it's good compilation. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much. I love you all. Saniac Podcast, thank you for tuning in with me on this solo episode that I had here. This was fantastic. Thanks for all the interactions. You guys are fantastic. All of our longtime live viewers are the absolute greatest. You guys are the real MV motherfucking peas. So thank you guys so much. And a quick shout out again to Yvette for that fantastic comment. That is one that we will be looking out for and watching for sure. Tune in live next week, hopefully a little bit earlier than this episode, uh, and we will run down the Bananas podcast and all that good stuff when we get Zach. Maybe we'll even do a special live or something midweek so we can run down that podcast because it was fucking good. Uh, Super impressed with Scott's interviewing these days. He's been killing it. Big fan. Uh, Join all of the groups. Join the Facebook groups. Saniacs, it's a great group. We do lots of discussions in there. It's been a little bit slow, but hopefully we'll boost some things Going forward, I know elections are going to be coming up, so I'm sure the group will be plentiful uh, as we approach those and we get closer. Of course, reality TV fans, for all your reality TV needs, (laughs) Uh, Santa's in the comment section, and uh, challenge fans, the ultimate challenge fan community. I have to throw it out there to challenge talk as well. You guys are great. And um, challenge maniacs, which is the group that Greg runs, and he has a great feature on there. He posts this date in challenge, uh, this date in challenge history, which is a really cool feature, especially for some of the longtime older listeners or older watchers that have seen some of these first few seasons and know a lot of these moments that Greg is referring to every single day. So those are great. Your Rogan, his first season. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting some bickering in the comments. I love it. And thank you guys so much once again. We'll see you guys next week.